Alan suggested this podcast, uh, What Do You Do When Your Story's Stuck? Kind of out of your years of, of publishing and like actually seeing stories get stuck and authors can't finish the story because the characters don't know where they're headed. And I think your idea was, there's a whole lot of people out there living <laughs> real lives that are feeling the same way. Right. And I think in all of our lives, there are points where our own story feels like it stalls or gets stuck. And it's never a conscious thing. We're not trying to find a way to slow down or stall, but it happens. And so it felt like a great conversation just to say, hey, guys, where have we experienced that? And how can we invite the listeners into next steps when their story feels a little bit like the Groundhog movie? They just wake up every day and relive the same thing over and over, and they know there's more, but how do you get there? That's just huge. Folks, welcome to the Ransom Heart Podcast. John Eldridge, Alan Arnold, and our pal Sam Ainsley, who's just been a longtime friend of Ransom Tarp and a board member and, and uh, is now coming closer to us on the team here. Alan, I know that you loved your life and career as a fiction publisher. How long were you a fiction publisher? I was a fiction publisher for 10 years, but in the publishing industry for 20. And what was your greatest joy in helping people with their stories? Oh my, definitely the greatest joy and, and also the hardest part was to try to help novelists get their stories unstuck. Meaning these are great storytellers. They wouldn't be there if they weren't. But the common denominator when something would kind of get stuck would always be the protagonist. And, and what would happen is the protagonist would either forget who they were or it would feel like they were living the same thing over and over again. And the whole issue from that point was, how do you help the author get the character unstuck? Yep. Been there. Been there, Sam? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not comfortable. You you kind of feel like a failure when you're in it. And the world helps that because when you're stuck or even slowing down or you're doing the same thing over and over again, you might not see it at the time. But where it got me is when guys had come up to you and say, hey, how you doing? You keeping busy? And I was in a season where I was had ended kind of a phase in my career and was purposely trying not to be busy and actually went through days of like it was the same thing and feeling like this is not where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be getting something going. And then I'd be in a social situation and the most common thing when you see somebody you hadn't seen for a while, they'd say, hey, how's it going? Keeping busy? As if you're not busy, there's something mm. wrong with you. Mm. And so it was both kind of, why would that get a rise out of me? And trying to know the difference between that getting a rise out of me for a good thing or just, no, 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 whoa, 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 you, you just hang on here. You, you're not supposed to be getting busy right now. Yeah. I think there's a lot of shame around it when you feel like your story's stalled. Well, like you said, Sam, a lot of times you don't realize it at first. And it's almost like this slow burn where one day you wake up and you realize, man, I'm stuck and I've kind of been stuck for a while and I knew something wasn't quite right, but I didn't see it coming and now I'm deep in the middle of it. Maybe part of what we can do today in this uh, couple of conversations here is maybe take a little bit of the shame off mm -hmm. for folks. Just say, look, there's different kinds of stuck and uh, God's in it and you're not alone in that and maybe share a little bit of our stories and one of the big, big, big 
big turning points in my life. I had two really, really big ones as a young man in, in my late 20s and early 30s. And uh, if people have tracked with us for a long time, they'll remember that I had a theater company that I ran in LA uh, back in my 20s. And Stacy and I, Stacy's an actress and amazing. And we had this great fellowship in this really cool little theater company. We are kind of the up-and-comers. You know, we were attracting MFA uh, theater grads out of UCLA and USC. And, you know, we were kind of shaking things up. And then it blew up. It blew up. And there is some folks who kind of got mad and left. And there was some blaming and this and that. And we had to kind of let it go. And it was actually kind of hurting our marriage too, because, you know, theater is a jealous mistress and you got to give it weekends and nights and, you know, but the point of the story is we suddenly found ourselves not doing that anymore and literally like sitting around the house, looking at each other going, what, what happened? What happened to that part of our life? What happened to that part of our story? And God actually ended up using that to kind of propel us into, into the next thing that he had for us. But man, when you're in that place of, what happened? It, it, we felt a little T-boned, right? I mean, it, we kind of felt like out of the blue, things just went sideways. And during that time, it was not fun uh, in a whole lot of sense of failure and what we do and been through a couple of those big ones in my life. So I, I think I can really relate to, to what folks are feeling out there. So John, when you were in that position that you just described, uh, what was the moment for you and Stacy where you realized it went from mm, things not may not be going perfect or there may be a little tension or there may be some change into this feels like something more major? Well, unfortunately, in that story, it was crisis. It was relational blowups. It was gossip. It was infighting. And unfortunately, it just kind of collapsed. Um, I think other people just, you know, they, they come I mean, you might go along 10 years and just find that my life is boring. <laughs> you know, I just don't like where I am. This was a little more like a crisis. It was a crisis and a blow up. The thing that was really hard for me was that I majored, I undergrad in that, you know, in theater. And I thought that was going to be my life. In my 20s, I thought I knew what God was doing. And I thought, we, you know, we were going to have this amazing, you know, Christian theater company and go all over the world and do this stuff. And it didn't happen. And that can really throw you, you know, when you think you know where you're headed and it doesn't turn out that way. Sam, I know for you, how many years in the, what do you describe what you did? Yes, I spent, uh, see, 25 years in resort development, golf course development, and the hospitality industry. That's it. As yeah. it relates to real estate development, second home real estate development, primarily in Hawaii. Um Arizona, yeah. Bali, Indonesia, through recreational development and fun experiences, helping other people have fun in their leisure time and yeah. being very intentional and obviously organized around that. And that those recreational pursuits create the value of the destination, the place, and, the, and that creates the value for the real estate and why somebody wants to have a second home there. So yeah. I spent a career doing that and loving helping people that can afford a second home land in a place and have fun. Yeah. Yeah. Bringing them life. And mm -hmm. that all changed. Uh, and you stepped out of that a couple of years ago now? It's been about two and a half years. And it was something I'd been working towards. It was the natural 
evolution of a business deal where you take it to a certain point, then the membership takes over or the residents take over and it's a perfect exit strategy for the developer. And I was looking forward to this time doing that. And I was saying like, I can't wait till I just don't have anything to do. I want to go do nothing. I want to go. We have some land. I love taking care of our land and, you know, mowing grass and doing landscaping and things that I, I didn't get ever to get a chance to do. I started off on that. It was great. And I had a lot of margin in my life and get to meet my wife for lunch. And about two weeks into it, I'm realizing she's got other stuff going on that we're not going to be having lunch every day. In fact, she doesn't necessarily want to lunch every day. And then... <laughs> For me, I would, I'd get all my work done and it was kind of like, now what? And, oh man, it hit me in the face. Again, I'm supposed to be doing something. I'm supposed to be getting something going. And fellas, there were days I'd, I'd be standing on my land and you know, I'd be listening to some song and come on the radio and I'd be crying and I couldn't tell you why. Yeah. Now I can see a little bit more, but when I was in it, I thought there was something wrong with me. Yeah. Yeah. Because things had kind of gone sideways. It kind of stalled out. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. Didn't have people, you know, staff every day tell me how great I was. And, uh, you know, it gets mixed up with your your significance of your job, creating your significance and and your identity. And and I thought I was above average at, you know, knowing the difference. And God creates my significance. But, oh, fellas, until you go through it and you get all that taken away or you set it all down for a while. Now I had space in my heart or however you want to describe it to like, okay, what am I feeling right now? Yeah. It was uncomfortable. I thought maybe there's something wrong mm. with me. I didn't call it stuck because I didn't, I was in it. I didn't know what that was, but like, what is the problem here? You've been working, you worked hard to get here. You've created, you wanted margin in your life. Now that you got it, what's, what's your problem? That's interesting. I had time to feel. It's kind of what you were saying. Like, yeah. I think we use busyness as a cover-up, frankly, for I don't have to feel a whole lot of what I'm feeling when I'm super busy. I think people use it for that. I've sure seen a lot of guys, you know, myself included, but counseled a lot of guys over the years that busyness equals meaning. If I just feel busy, then my life must be meaningful, Right. I must be filled with purpose because I'm such a busy person. And we use busyness to cover those two things. I don't have to feel what I'm feeling. And, and it can kind of substitute for a sense of, of story and meaning. And John, where you mentioned crisis with your company that happened, and Sam, you mentioned kind of what you were feeling in the solitude, like after you had stepped away from something. I can think of a story where I was in this highly successful role, it wasn't in crisis, and it sure wasn't solitude. It was a very busy time to describe just what you were naming. And where I first started realizing I was stalled is what used to bring me excitement about the job mm. no longer did. Mm. I was relying on formula to get through each day, and I was getting paid well, and, and it was working on a business level. But I started to realize I'm really pretty much stuck because what used to bring joy doesn't bring joy, even though it's still, quote, working. Mm. And I'm showing up to work every day and being rewarded for it. 
but I feel like I'm living the same day over and over again. So I just want the listeners to realize whether you're a very driven person or, or somewhat passive or whether you have too much going on right now or too little and, and you're trying to figure out what to do, what we're talking about applies equally. Your mm-hmm. story can stall in any of those situations, mm-hmm. great sure. success, crisis, right. solitude. Um, but for me, that was the first hint of I have to do something because if I don't, my story feels like it's shrinking and I'm going to start looking for life in some unhealthy ways mm. if I don't try to find a way to live a larger story. Okay, so take us back to fiction for a minute because I'm super intrigued by that. You are a fiction publisher for years. Your job was to help authors fix stalled stories, <laughs> right? Stories right. that were not interesting. Right. We're not headed anywhere. So go back and say that again. Well, it could be like a TV series. Basically, there were 50 or 60 novels a year that I would work with authors to create. Romance, historical, sci-fi, young adult, all types of fiction, all genres. And there were men storytellers and women storytellers from all ages. But the common thing, John, that would happen is we'd be reading some of the chapters and go, this isn't working, or this is the same story they've told now 16 times with a different name in a different city. But what we would find is on a high level, a storyteller can't tell a better story than they're living. I love storytellers and I love authors and I spend a lot of my time with them still. But a lot of times what happens is the people that tell stories spend most of their time on a laptop in their home or a coffee shop, they're living in the fantasy of creativity mm. more than in real conversations with people. And, mm. and so a lot of times then their stories start to get stuck because their own lives start to get stuck. And they're paid if one book works well. If you're John Grisham and that legal thriller works well, you're paid big bucks to write the next legal thriller and the next. And don't veer off the formula too much because now we know what works. Well, that's a shortcut over time to getting stuck because you're being asked to do the same thing over and over and over with very little variation. The authors, when that would happen, a lot of times the problem wasn't simply they had lost their creativity. They were still really creative. The problem was they were stuck Mm -hmm. in their own story. And so now the stories they were giving birth to Mm -hmm. had a ceiling or had a limit on them. And so it was helping them get unstuck in their story. And in that sense, As a publisher, my job was half creative development of the writers and and engaging with them on creativity, and in some ways, half counselor. That's what I was going to ask you. Doesn't it feel like something's going on at the level of the heart when the story seems to be stalled? Always. It always comes down to the heart, because you can't create great art without great heart, and you can't really live a larger story, as you talk to men about and women, If you've lost heart, if your heart's gone numb, Mm. the enemy wins Mm. in that sense because Mm. you're kind of on the sidelines once you check out on a heart level. Mm. And, you know, as we're having this conversation, and I know I know folks are like, yeah, yeah, okay, with your tracking, get us unstuck. (laughs) But hang on, we'll get there. What I'm struck by right now is how many times in the scriptures does this happen? Right? You look at all these famous characters like Moses, right? Prince of Egypt. And he's like, I'm going to intervene for my people. And he ends up killing the Egyptian guard. And, and then he flees the country. 
I don't know how long it is, it's decades that he's out in the desert tending sheep, right? Down in Midian, right? And he had to have been thinking, I was the third most powerful person in Egypt, right? Like I was the dude and I had everything. And now I'm what? I'm looking after these livestock out in this backwater village somewhere. I mean, these stories, David, right, before he actually becomes king, is constantly, you know, he's where's David? He's, he's down in the desert somewhere hiding in some caves and, you know, what looks like a lot of stalled stories. Yeah, so is that what you're saying? It's like, do you think David and Moses, those guys knew they were stuck? On, as a reader or as an observer of the story, we can see that they look stuck to us us being friends of the world or whatever, saying, man, that guy seems like he's just doing the same thing and not getting a lot out of it. And he should have more to offer and be living in this bigger story and impacting the world. And did you think they saw that or felt that while it's going on or they didn't see it? I mean, you're stuck. And then you're like, do you even know you're stuck? Right. Sam, I think so. Like you read some of the Psalms and he sounds pretty stuck. And pretty discouraged by it, right? Like, where'd you go, guy? You used to go out with our armies. You used to lead us in victory. And you don't even seem to be around anymore. And I think that we have the advantage of reading the scriptures. So we're seeing the end of the story. And we're like, oh, yeah, but Moses, he gets that sorted out. Come on, he leads the Exodus. And David, he gets that sorted out. He becomes king of Israel in the golden days, and right? Yeah. And, and Paul, right? Like, he becomes, you know, the most significant apostle ever, but not right away, right? He goes off in the desert too, and he spends years in obscurity and then comes back into the story and you kind of pick up with, okay, I think I just want to, just another word of kindness to our listeners to just say, gang, this is all through the scriptures. This is all through human experience that feeling stuck, getting stuck, feeling lost, um, not sure what to do next. You know, Alan, you're describing, well, most of that's about your heart and going, yeah, I have no idea what to do with that. I just want to point out, there's an awful lot of that in the Bible. Yes. There's an awful lot of that in people's stories and, and therefore you're not alone. But what about, how do you not lose heart during that time? And because you're gonna, I mean- or you're going to feel like, wow, this doesn't seem right. And you're either pleading with your condition or you're pleading with God going, you know, and I'm losing heart during this time. And not just because I need something to make me feel good about myself and my contribution, but how do you sort that out between I'm kind of in a routine right now, I'm not slaying dragons, and that my heart goes spiraling down during that time? I just want to say Everybody's first impulse is fix this, fix it, get me out of this. I need change. I need something, you know, like we start grasping for that something that's going to get us out of the funk, right? right. And, and I, I just want to say, hang on, hang on. God may be in the stall, in the stalling of the story. He may be in that. You know, we're given all those stories in scripture as an encouragement, right? Like the New Testament says of the Old Testament, these things were written for your encouragement, okay? That God may be in that. And Sam, like, I remember, you know, you would call, we're talking a year 
or more. And you would call and say, holy cow, I'm feeling a whole lot of stuff now that I wasn't feeling before, right? Because you had the space to feel it. Yep. And it was uncomfortable, yep. but boy, oh boy, did you need to feel some of those things. Exactly. And there were days where I'd turn on myself and think there was something wrong with me or my family or my particularly my wife would be on the receiving end of me misinterpreting what is this downtime about? Do I have a problem? There's something wrong with me. Yeah. That was part of the point. God was in that. That just see that and face that and go, okay, what what is true? God was in that because you didn't have 10 seconds to think about that stuff in your busy world, right? So the other night, Stacy, you know, it's hard week, work week, yada, yada, ministry. And, you know, she's like, I'm just going to go watch one of my shows. And I said, oh, what are you watching, honey? And she says, I, oh, I'm going to watch Madam Secretary. And then she kind of smiles and she says, I just love this show. She says, it's global crises that get resolved in 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, and, yeah. and just to go, gang, I think even like there's some conditioning in the culture Right. With, you know, hearing amazing stories and and famous lives and you know, that kind of thing and television stuff that like, yeah, 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 you're you're in the crisis or you're stuck, but that's gonna get sorted out pretty quick. And we've done ourselves a disservice there that maybe God's actually in that. Oh, I think when we start feeling something at the heart level like you guys are describing. To me, it's a really disruptive but beautiful moment because that is God coming in for heart surgery. And just like when I would talk to the writers about, those characters are stalled. Like something has to disrupt them or they're forever going to stay stalled. And that's not only cruel to the characters, cruel to the reader. Nobody wants to read that. Yeah. You know, well, I think God does that with us too, where even if we don't initiate the change, as a loving father, God will come in mm -hmm. and he'll say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disrupt the story now mm -hmm. for your sake. Even through your unhappiness is what we're saying, gang. It's not that God always works by bringing joy. Sometimes God works through what Chesterton called divine discontent. He's in the disruption. He's in the stall. He's in the unhappiness. He's in the boredom. And he's in the fact that you don't like it. We're actually going to pause this podcast because the pull in our culture is fix it. Give me the answer. Throw me the rope. I want the quick fix, right? Global crises resolved in 30 minutes. That's what we're used to. Okay. Nope. I'm going to say this. Just feel what you're feeling and allow those feelings to be yours. Those are yours, gang. Those are your feelings. And it might be anger, might be fear, might be boredom, might be frustration, but Honestly, just give that a little time. So what most people do is feel it and then get the quick fix, like answer this for me. Nope, not this week. We'll pick it up next week. You've been listening to the Ransom Tar podcast on when your story seems like it's stalling or has stalled. Alan Arnold's idea here at the table, Sam Ainsley with us, John Eldridge. And yeah, we'll pick it up next week, gang. But there's this rush to fix things, and I don't think it's healthy. I really don't. So we're just going to kind of sit there.